This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Hour number one is down, and now we are starting hour number two. My name is Father Richard Kunz. I'm here with John Foucault, who is filling in for Cindy Jennings right now. And we are coming to you from the beautiful Diocese of Duluth on the shores of Lake Superior. And so I don't think I've ever had this happen before. We had a lot of questions on that call and yes. that straight talk. And so we even had um, a little bit of spillover here. And so um, uh, we have uh, Daniel from Minneapolis that was asking a question, and we didn't get to it. And so I just want to like commend the listeners who are a little more courageous today than they have been in the past about submitting questions. But I do believe that we live enough time or there's a lot of questions that should be asked. There are a lot of questions that should be asked. So, yes. um, uh, Deacon John, do you want to give a crack at that? Sure. At that so, question? As we said, Daniel from Minneapolis is asking, he wants Father to he wants to ask Father what he thinks about the Russian fatalistic approach versus God's will in reconciling ourselves to whatever happens, especially with the current pandemic. So let's take that part first. Yeah. Okay, well, that is the whole thing. You know, and, and so... Um, uh, uh, you know, I mean, if if I understand, because he's he's citing he's um, uh, citing Dostoevsky too, who's the Russian uh, um, uh, author, classic uh, Russian author, and, and I didn't read much of him. I read some of him in seminary, but I haven't read much of him since. And so, if I understand correctly, and I might not understand correctly, Daniel, but the whole Russian fatalistic thing is like, well, this is this is what was going to happen, and there's nothing that uh, anybody could do anything about it. This was, you know, God's will, and it just happened. Uh, or maybe it wasn't even God's will, but then where does God's will come in reconciling with like this fatalistic approach? And so, you know, you know, I mean, it's, I think that I can broaden the question a little bit more if I understand, if I understand you correctly, it's like that, you know, I mean, God is one of the ideas, um, in past philosophies is that, that God did the whole alarm clock thing, which like he just wound up the alarm clock and let the world kind of go on its own and watch it from a distance. And that is not the Christian concept of God's work. Even when uh, God's interaction, I should say, with creation, even when we're looking at something as bad as the virus. And so uh, God is part of every single aspect of life of the human race. Uh, even with the pandemic, is it God's will that he wants these bad things to happen? No, but does God, al- God allows it. God allows it because of original sin. So when we sinned, when our first parents sinned, we broke off the right relationship with God. That's what all sin is, but it literally changed how we relate to God with that original sin. And so even nature was affected. Even Paul talks about this, how nature was affected by original sin. Nature itself was affected. And so um, uh, the pandemic is a result of original sin, and uh, God walks with us through that. It's not that God is far and distant, and that's a, this is a fatalistic type of thing. There's something good in every aspect of what God allows. St. Therese, the little flower, is beautiful in this way. Her little way that she's famous for, it's like, her, her in essence, like everything that happens to you, God allows it to happen for your own good, because he wants you to get to heaven. And if you look at everything in life as that way, that, that God allowed this to happen to you, even if it's bad and we don't understand it, he's allowing it to happen to help you get to heaven. If we look at things that way, then we're always going to see God intimately involved in our lives. That was a uh, uh, that was a uh, Daniel an intellectual question. I don't know if I reached the intellectual levels that you were hoping for, but um, uh, that was my response to what I thought you were asking. And if but, not, the dial in next time with straight yep, talk. Yep, so thank yeah. you very much. And so yeah. so um, uh, that was a little spillover in the straight talk. So um, 
Good. That, was, that went well. It was great. I thought it went very well. It's nice to see so many questions yeah. and a uh, few yeah. call-ins. Yeah, very well done. Yeah, as long as I can buffalo listeners to believe everything I say, I'm good. <laughs> You're I'm doing good. great, and you just yeah. talk with authority. Yep, so. exactly. Just speak with authority. Make it look natural. Yeah, so we uh, we do. I don't want to uh, ignore our guest, but we no. have a guest, Ryan Morris here. Ryan? How are you doing? What's, what, what, is it Sergeant? No, Captain. Lieutenant. 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 Sorry, sorry, I didn't no, mean no. to promote you. It doesn't matter. I'm Lieutenant. Ryan. <laughs> okay, Ryan. Okay, so. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, yes, thank so, you. Yeah, so Ryan is a... Um, uh, uh, Ryan has been a um, on the well. First off, Ryan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. Welcome to Real Presence Live. Okay. Well, thanks for having me. Um, well, my name is Ryan Morris. I'm, uh, as you mentioned, I'm a lieutenant with the Duluth Police Department. Um, I've been a police officer for a little over 21 years, and uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, I've I've done a variety of assignments in my career. I started out obviously as a patrol officer and uh, worked up and did some uh, crash investigations, traffic investigations, and then. Uh, Eventually got promoted, and now I'm a, a crew lieutenant. So Okay. All right. So when was that promotion? Uh, I was promoted in November of 2019. Okay. So All I was right. promoted to sergeant back in, I think, 2013, and then uh, and then eventually to lieutenant here. So, so lieutenant's higher than sergeant? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what's a crew lieutenant? So right now, my job, I oversee uh, an entire patrol crew. So uh, any, of the, any of the 911 responding officers that are out there, uh, my current position is to oversee the entire crew. I've got three sergeants that work for me, and then I have roughly, depending on the day, 18 or so officers that uh, you know work under me as 911 response. And, uh, but my not, job, not traffic? Uh, no, I don't do traffic anymore. Okay. So that's that was more of the investigative side okay. uh, stuff that I was doing. And then eventually my new assignment brought me here. So, so there's a bit of a hierarchy. In, a little uh, bit, the yeah. Police. Oh, okay. All right. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely. Yeah. So within the, how many crews then are there? So how many crew sergeants are within a day shift? Are there multiple of you? Nope. So, so like for example, today uh, with a crew working, there's a lieutenant that oversees this entire crew working patrol response, and then there are three sergeants that you know, depending on vacations and stuff, there's usually a couple sergeants working, and you know, fifteen or so officers uh, depending on the day. So. Um, you know, we have other other divisions within the department. There's our investigative divisions that would have a hierarchy there. You know, sergeants and lieutenants that oversee them. We have our uh, community officers that uh, do more specific community problem solving. So there would be a, a you know a hierarchy there as well. So how many police officers are in Duluth? Uh, our sworn staff is 157. Okay. And now is that up or down from prior years? Uh, it's it's. Probably about the highest it's been. I mean, we've always hovered around 150. Um, we have some grant positions that uh, up up that uh, staffing a little bit that are kind of paid for by grants. You know, some of our uh, sex crimes initiatives, and uh, we have a DWI officer, for example, uh, HRA, which is our our public housing. Uh, we have two officers assigned to that. that some of that's grant funded as well. So. I am, uh, for for years, I mean, I can't say I've always been consistent with this, but for many years, anytime I was like at a, I don't know, usually airports, for some reason I always think of it at airports, and I'd see uh, somebody in military fatigue or something like that, I'd always say, thank you for your service. Yeah. You know, I always, yeah. I always go out of my way to do that. Good practice. And, and I've, um, uh, I've been, ever since like last summer, I was thinking, you know, every time I get an opportunity to see a police officer, I want to thank them for that service. And so I, I want to kind of start off your segment just by, Thank you for what you're doing in a particular way because of what happened last mm-hmm. summer. And it's even predated that, you know, yeah. right? I mean, we're, um, I'd say even like, you know, I mean, it gets so political that police officers become a victim. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, in the true sense of the term. And, and so I want to thank you for all that you do um, uh, in keeping our, 
you know, city safe. And so thank you for your service. It's deserved. Yeah, yes, it well, is. We certainly appreciate it. And I know our officers, uh, they like to hear it. They need to hear it nowadays, especially. And uh, it's it's been a tough go of it the last few years. But, yeah, I think it's it's probably been the last five, six, seven years that we uh-huh. can, or, or more that we can look at that. Uh, I'd say, I, I mean, not to get too political here, and that's not my intent, but I think the during the Obama administration, really, really early on in his administration, there was kind of like a, there was a, a negativity, negativity towards the police officers. Yeah, yep. yeah, and whether it was related to him or, or whatever that was, it was that was kind of when we, when you look through policing, it started kind of back with the Cambridge professor, and then right. eventually uh, it'll change. And then eventually, you know, the because he famously said that the police officer acted stupidly. Yeah, and that was, yeah, and so yeah. I think that just kind of gave a negative tone. Yep, and then it went to uh, the the Michael Brown or uh, what was the I can't think of it offhand uh, in Jackson. Uh, no. No, the well. There's been a whole series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a whole series. A yeah. It's escaped yes. me now, but uh, yeah. Yes, but yeah. So again, thank you for your service and continue to show yeah. up every day. I've we always been. It. I've been anticipate. I don't want to get pulled over, but I've always anticipated that when I get pulled over for a, a, a speeding ticket, that I want the first thing I want to say. Well, not the first thing because I don't well, want to make it look like I'm trying it's to get not out of the help you get out of the ticket. Just I'm just, so you know. No, I know. I don't want it to, but I, but I want to make sure that I want to say, you know, what? appreciative. Yeah, I appreciate your service, even though you're going to give me a ticket right now. But I appreciate your service. Mm-hmm. So I think that I think that I'm a. Our listeners are probably pretty sympathetic to that. You know, I mean, the stuff that you guys have to deal with, like the whole George Floyd thing, you know, last, yeah. last here we're talking. But <laughs> but last summer we had a lot of issues here in Duluth, yes. too, yes. small compared to the cities. But Yeah, but it's stuff that we don't want to see. I mean, yeah, it's right. it's small, but it's still disruptive and it's unsettling for people. And yeah. uh, nobody wants to see that anywhere, and let alone in their, you know, their own society or right. own right. city. Because so. I remember driving by, it was, I don't know, up on 8th Street or something like that. I drove by, by I was going to the hospital. And I was giving my thumbs up to all the cops. There's like 10 cars right. up, and I was just going like this. You guys are great. You guys are great. And so, uh, yeah, you guys do great work, and, and you guys you keep us from the precipice of anarchy. Yeah. Yes. You know? Yeah. Well, I, I believe we're necessary. I mean, it's a it's it's definitely a noble calling. I, I The young officers that work for me, I, I try to assure them every day that, you know, what you're doing is important, and it is, and I think a majority of society sees it. They realize that. We hear it from people. I mean, I... We hear it a lot, yeah. and uh, it's it's a lot of negativity that gets I think pushed to the forefront because it's uh, it's more popular to the minority hear that. noise is being made yeah. known. Yes, yeah. yes. and so. we're in, we're in Minnesota, and we're we're the epicenter, really. Yeah, yes. right now we are. Yes. Yeah, and so and so uh, you know, I mean, what I mean, looking at what's going on in Minnesota right now and what happened last summer, how has that affected the the force up here in Duluth? I think it's just, uh, it's always that thought in your head. Um, we do see some of the negativity directed towards, or actually a lot more, you know, than, you know, I started 21 years ago and it was uh, a different, you know, go on go on calls and you see people out in public and it was different. And now you do have some of those moments where just out of the blue, you're just not even not necessarily on a call, but you get somebody that says something negative to you and, you know, things that were unheard of years ago and uh, the respect and and uh, towards authority or law enforcement is is different nowadays. Yeah. The respect for the uniform and the position has been lost, yeah. which is a tragedy. It is. Um, yes, bad things happen all the time, um, but the respect for that uniform and the authoritative figure um, needs to be brought back in society, mm-hmm. in my personal opinion. Yeah. Does that affect recruitment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our, our recruitment, uh, our, our hiring numbers certainly are lower. And, yeah, I mean, when you look at the schools and the the feeder systems that come into our profession are way down. Yes. Yeah. And, and we're, we're talking to uh, Lieutenant Ryan Morris from the Duluth police department. And uh, we are on real presence live. Please continue listening after this brief break. 
Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. Have you ever worried about someone's salvation, especially one who died by suicide? I'm Father Chris Alar. Sometimes the state of their soul seems to cause us fear for their eternal fate. They die in what seems to be a hopeless state of sin and unrepentance. However, Jesus says in 1698 of the Diary of St. Faustina that what looks hopeless to us is in fact not so. He says that many times the soul illuminated by a ray of his final grace turns to him in the last moment to receive complete forgiveness of all sin and punishment, although we see no external signs of this. Wow! We can see why Jesus said that divine mercy is mankind's last hope of salvation. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to the Duluth edition of Real Presence Live. I'm Father Richard Kuntz along with my co-host, Deacon John Foucault. Good morning. We're, we're talking to uh, Lieutenant Ryan Morris of the Duluth Police Department. Yes, yeah, so Lieutenant Ryan... As we were talking about your um, continuing to show up, and we thank you for your service, 21 years on the force, uh, a lot of struggling times over this last year and a half in particular, but also, as we had mentioned prior to that. But as an officer, what does your typical day look like, and what are some of the rewarding factors you have in your service to the community? Yeah, so my typical day, like I said, being a supervisor of the crew, you know, we uh, we sit down with our crews before we head out. We kind of have the old-fashioned roll call or, or turnout or whatever you want to call it. So we, we have that time to kind of present our information to our officers and things to be aware of, but also, you know, just have some camaraderie before we go out and, and do the job that we, we have every day. Um, our typical day is uh, just to go out. I mean, we, again, primarily 911 response, but... Uh, we also have a lot of community interaction that we have in our in our department. It's a priority for our department to do that community engagement as much as we can. And so every day, you know, we're out there responding to calls but trying to make that positive impact on people as we move about our day, you know, whether it's just stopping and, and, and chatting with people or, you know, we've done some things. You've seen some publicly, you know, going and reading at the library, mm-hmm. um, you know, showing up to community meetings, whatever it may be. 
trying to have that positive influence to keep that 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 positive energy towards the police department. So, in, go ahead, Father. No, go ahead if you have a follow-up. So, yeah, do you follow up to that uh, couple of rewarding experiences in the last couple of weeks or a month? Yeah, I think we, uh, I don't know specifically, I'm just trying to think. We get a lot of, you know, positive feedback from things that our officers have done. Um, you know, they go out there, they take a call, and we have the public who will, will email us, call us, and say, you know, that officer took the time out of their day uh, to, you know, put aside whatever they may have needed to go to next and they they spent the time and they helped me understand what was going on they genuinely cared about my problem um we unfortunately in our our job uh, see a lot of bad things mm-hmm. um whether it's death whether it's people being injured loss um and we have great officers that take that time to definitely reach out to the victims uh reach out to the families that are surrounding those tragedies and, and they spend that extra time uh, helping them work through it. So we get a lot of feedback from the public on things like that, too. Yeah, I've, I've, I've always felt a certain kinship with police officers as a, as a priest. You yeah. know, I think that we deal with a lot of a similar it's very similar things. Yes. And, and uh, uh, you know, when when I've uh, had the unfortunate situations of having to, to go to uh, very unfortunate situations, you know, there's always police there, you know. And so there's always a real good camaraderie, a good connection between the clergy, at my, in my experience, and the police officers. And you get it more than we do. You know, yeah. we, we you know it's unusual for us priests. It happens. It's, I shouldn't say it's unusual. It's it's part of our lives. But you, this is part of your daily life. And so you see people at, in their worst of situations, yeah. like right when they happen. Yep. Usually, when we priests, we get them. You know, maybe a few days after it happened. Yeah. You know, but so maybe speak a little bit to your experience of seeing the face of trauma and how people respond to that. And maybe even a faith comes into some yeah. play, their faith in particular, you know. Yeah, I think that, you know, our young officers especially, and I know going through it, that was that was something hard to deal with, having to see that negativity all the time. But um, with our police officers and, you know, myself, it's always you kind of go in and you have to deal with the business of it first. I mean, if mm-hmm. some of those things, those, those bad situations are, are very dynamic and you have to deal with that immediately. But what, I, what is amazing with police officers, uh, my coworkers, um, is the way they handle after the after effects. Yeah. They worry about the victims. They, you know, are there to make sure that, you know, the resources are there for somebody who's been through a, a bad situation, you know, whether it's calling a priest. We have a chaplaincy program. Um, you know, getting, bringing that faith into those bad situations does happen, you know, quite often if people need it. Um, it's maybe an informal way of looking at faith, but I think just the counseling and the, and the listening and the being there for for the victims is something we see all the time and it it amazes me you know again these some of these young officers early 20s mid 20s even myself back you know how i didn't have any kids but i knew how to yeah. at, you know at the time you know i'm a young officer and i'm counseling parents or helping them through a situation where something might have happened to their kids so being able to put yourself in those situations is is an amazing amazing trait of a lot of our officers it, and it speaks to the goodness of human nature i think yeah because like the thing is, like, you know, I mean, you weren't trained for that. Right. You know, I mean, I think I've, I've had to deal with a number of suicides and to walk into that type of experience, that really messy experience. And it's like you just you kind of go on autopilot. Yes. And even though you don't have the experience, you just know what you have to do and you know you, how you have to be there for the person. Yeah. And in seminary, we call it ministry of presence, which I always thought was a bunch of bunk. Yeah. But it's so real. It's true. And, and when we look at our hiring, you talk about recruiting and hiring and and. We look very hard at character-based hiring, you know, looking at those character traits where we know our officers are going to respond to that in a good way. 
And, uh, you know, and there is a lot of after effect with our officers too. You know, we talk about PTSD and things like that. These officers go in and, you know, I've gone in in my career and seen some of those bad, bad things and you take care of the business right away. You kind of have that business get, get things situated that need to be done. But afterwards it certainly affects you. And I think that's where faith uh, comes into it. And let's, let's talk about that for a second. So you're, you see these negative things that are out there and, uh, you have this strong Catholic faith, but is it challenging at times to to continue to have that faith in this challenging situation where you see something really bad that's happened and and know there's nothing you can do to prevent it, but you're there to help? Yeah, I think over the years I've grown in in that where you know you say, well, why does God let these? Why does He let these things happen? And that's a common question. And people that even question the Catholic faith or any faith is well, if there was a God, these things wouldn't happen. And I've learned a lot over the years about that, you know, that that the reason these things happen, we have God there to help us through those situations. He's not going to prevent them because there are other forces out there. But, you know, to the best of my knowledge, that's the way I've always understood it. And, and I think, yeah, it does have you questioning things sometimes. You know, why, when I, I did a number of years, 11 years of crash investigations and traffic investigations, and I would see tragedies happen to people for, really no fault of their own. I mean, we don't call them accidents because there's always a cause to it, but, you know, some of these things were truly just, you, you didn't do anything to put yourself in that position. You weren't in the middle of a drug deal and got shot. You were riding down the street in this car that wasn't paying attention, right. hit this child, and, you know, by no fault of their own, you know, they die. Right. Why does that happen? And that was, there's a lot of times you, you go back to your faith or you question some of those things during those times and go, why, you know, and the people you encounter, do they ask you that? Do they ask about, you know, why did God let this happen to me? Does that come out on the scene? or It does from time to time. I mean, you know, sometimes to us, sometimes not in that direct of a way, but they're, they're questioning why this happens, you know, or how do, we, how do I move on? How do I deal with this? And, you know, who could let this happen? Yeah, and I think you try to, try to give those best answers that you can, but, you know, we don't always have the answers either. You right. just have to talk through those. And like you said, the ministry of presence is, is that's real. Mm-hmm. Sometimes just being there, you don't have to say anything, but just having individuals know that you're there does make a big difference. I, I never thought it was real as well. Yeah, a lot of active listening. I mean, I think sometimes even even in those bad situations when people want to vent to you, not necessarily in a tragic tragic situation, but other situations, sometimes you just have to let people say their piece. And that's another part of our job where I think you have to have patience. You have to definitely have a thicker skin because you're going to get a lot thrown at you that, yeah, I might want to react to it sometime, but I know that that's not the way to do it. Because I may not be talking to you as Ryan Morris, but talking to you as lieutenant officer. Yep, And and it's having that understanding of, you know, victims and what they, you know, the the multitude of things they go through. And you as a priest, you know, Mm -hmm. you've probably seen it in tragedy, the, the grief and anger and eventually they accept it and you know all those different phases that people go through yeah you know i mean i i, I think that uh, you know for priests we and i'm sure this is the same for you so I'll pose it as a question i'm assuming that that you've come to learn a lot about human nature yeah. in your job yeah and that people are very different i mean you, you definitely can't uh, can't put a template down as to how you know when a happens this is what's the reaction and how b c and d are going to go because everybody's different and everybody processes things in a different way. And yeah, human nature is amazing. I mean, it's, uh, you see some of the greatness of, of people out there and then you see the, some of the just bad, bad things that people can do. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, I've you know, I mean, it's interesting you say that they're so different. And I, 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 we all know that it's so different. But another way, it's like I always say in the priesthood, you know, it's like you see the similarities in human nature a lot too. It's like at least the people I deal, it's like, you know, I mean, I can, I, I think that I've become very perceptive of humans. Yeah. As a priest, and I don't know if if that's something you could say too as a cop. I think you, uh, you know, the more I've done this, I think the more you read people and you read things that. You know, just mannerisms, things that they do, and maybe even a path of how they're going with, you know, whatever action they're doing or something. I think you can start to read people and you start to pick up on some of those cues. And, you know, when you have certain reactions from people, you know, well, I might want to back off a little bit of where I'm going with that. Or if, you know, even you see it in TV with interviews or something when you start to go down a road and you can tell that something's working or you're, you're hitting a nerve in a good way or something, you're going to continue to go down that road. And, and you know, help somebody through something. So, how does how does um uh, we get more in your faith journey after the break? Mm-hmm. But uh, how does how does your policing? When you got married, were you already a, a police officer? Yes. So yeah. so Sonia knew what she was getting into to a degree. <laughs> she did. Yeah, she met me uh, shortly after I got hired here. So okay, all right. So how does how does um you don't know anything different? But I mean, how is policing? How does your job affect your marriage? I uh, I think our faith definitely keeps our marriage strong. I mean, that's one way. It it, it certainly. Police officers generally, I mean, it's gotten better over the years. I think uh, just wellness, um, taking care of yourself health-wise and everything in our profession has gotten better just with the newer generations kind of coming through. The old generation, it was always, you know, you get off work, you go to the bar, you drink. That's how the divorces happen. And you keep it to yourself. Yes, a lot of that. And, yeah, so, I mean, I think right now there's a lot. You say keep it to yourself, and now I think there's been such acceptance to, you know, we have peer support teams. We have uh, police psychologists. We have lots of people that will say, let this out. Do not keep it into you. And that's where I think uh, marriage and my job is, has been good in that sense. But sometimes a marriage can suffer because of those So things. when you started 21 years ago, was it were, was there these support mechanisms like you're talking about, like the psychological type of assistance at, at back at the office, so to speak? They were maybe available. Uh, it was definitely not something that was popular, something that was really encouraged. The stigma. And, there's yeah, a stigma. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, that's been an amazing journey in 21 years in my profession is just the, uh, yeah, the ripping off of that stigma and uh, saying it's okay to... Not be okay. Yeah, to yeah, not be okay. okay not exactly. be okay what just happened and what you've been through. And yes. Yeah, and, I mean, we, we even tell our young officers, you saw something that you shouldn't see. No right. no human should be seeing right. these things, and for you to for that to affect you is perfectly normal. Right. You just have to figure out how to work through it and, you know, have the resources there to keep you working through it. We're, we're talking to Lieutenant Ryan Morris from the um, uh, police department here in Duluth, and we will continue this uh, enriching conversation right after this brief break. Live. Engaging and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. 
Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision provides eye exams for the whole family and specialty services like vision therapy and custom contact lenses. We offer a variety of frames with missions you can believe in, like Moto Eyewear, which gives away a pair of glasses to a child in need for every frame sold. We are so grateful for your support and grateful to be supporting RPR. You can learn more about our mission at lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. I grew up in a, a very uh, faith-filled home. It wasn't Catholic, but very faith-filled. And uh, But when I got to college, I had a lot of questions, asked a lot of questions, didn't really get answers, and, and would say I became more of a agnostic. Um, you know, as I then uh, moved out to Seattle, I was really, really searching and... Um, but then, you know, all through my life, everything was always compared to the Catholic Church. It was, it was everything and the Catholic Church. And, and so I just really felt the need to, um, to look into that. And I had a catechism of the Catholic Church. Uh, so, I, you know, that was a great resource and, and spent a lot of time reading through that. So, yeah, I asked a lot of questions, um, had a lot of questions about the church as an authority, especially, and, and being able to rely on that. Um, truth, how can we know truth? Where is the truth? You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Thank you for listening. My name is Father Richard Kuntz. I'm here with Deacon John Foucault as my co-host today. We've been talking to Lieutenant Ryan Morris of the, uh, um, I keep on saying the Diocese of Duluth. I want to say the Diocese of Duluth City of Duluth Police Department. And so, um, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about your, uh, your work as a police officer, how it's affected you, some of the things that you've experienced with that. Why don't we talk a little bit about your, um, your faith journey? It, obviously, you know, I mean, you know, we invited you on the show because you're a man of deep faith. You got a strong uh, Catholic faith, but you didn't start off at a strong Catholic faith. You started off at a different place. But maybe speak to us a little bit about your faith journey and then, uh, and then maybe how that has incorporated a little bit into your professional life as a police officer. Yeah, so like I said, I, I actually started out my uh, Catholic faith journey as a Lutheran. <laughs> I grew up, I grew up a Lutheran, and uh, were you an active Lutheran? Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, it was uh, pretty much you know most Sundays, every Sunday, Sunday. You know, did all the stuff. Uh, very involved. Uh, my parents were great in that sense, uh, molding me into, you know, knowing that that's an important part of our lives. I was a Missouri Synod Lutheran, which I don't know a ton about but i've been told it's very similar to yeah, liturgically it looks a lot Catholic. Yeah. yes yeah. yeah so uh so yeah the the transition for me from a lutheran you know services and and faith to a catholic didn't seem overly different i know there are distinct differences mm-hmm. and you know i'm aware of that what'd your family say when yeah. you were like dating a catholic girl yeah. and yeah that was never an issue i know that my mom especially was kind of i was more concerned and just how she would take it and i think she was just you know the mindset that as long as you have God in your life, you know that's mm-hmm. that's what the important thing is. You know, it, and we talked through some of the differences and really what, and it wasn't a whole lot, you mm-hmm. know, to me. And and I said, you know, we're all we're all believing kind of towards the same sure, thing. Sure. So. so so you you meet the girl of your dreams and you see that she's a very faithful Catholic. And... Yes. Yeah. So she comes from a very large Catholic family, yes. very faithful. I, yep. 
there wasn't much of a choice of where I was going to go there. But it, <laughs> but that but that was not the reason. I, you know, it wasn't like I was forced into it or something. Right. That was a decision. You know, I as we were deciding to get married, it was something that I said. You know, as my children grow up, I want to be able to not just participate on the sidelines. I want to actively be able to participate in everything that they will grow up and participate in as well. So that was, you know, the importance to my wife of, of her faith, but also looking forward to having children and, and being an active part of their, their faith was. So you became, so you became a Catholic after you got married? No, nope, before. Before? Was, before. Yep. Okay. It was before. Yeah, it was prior. So I went through the RCIA program uh, early, I guess I would have finished it up, you know, around Easter yep. um, in 2002, and then we were married in July of 2002. So, so, so how's that worked out for you? How's the whole Catholic yeah. thing fit? I think it's been great. I mean, I uh, I've grown certainly as a uh, you know 20 some year old getting married and becoming Catholic, and to being now where I'm at at, at age 45. I think certainly having kids has changed that faith journey a little bit more. Started to deepen it a little bit. At first, you know, I honestly. I, I don't know that I appreciated it as much as any young young person. I mean, there are some exceptions out there, but you, you're worried about other th- other things are important. And then, as I've gotten older, having children, having them uh, be active, uh, they're, they're Stella Mars Academy students, all, you know, all the way through, and seeing what they go through, learning even from them, kind of absorbing as they they've learned through their lives. I think it's gotten more ingrained into me. And then, as I get older, I think I, I've turned more to my faith and gotten more aware of my faith to deal with a lot of things. So too. how many, how many so, kids do you have? I have five. You might want to name them in case they're listening. <laughs> yeah, so that's a good idea. Shout out. Well, I'll start out. I have uh, Ashley, who is eight. Um, Abigail, who is 10. <laughs> oh, no. I'm, no see, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. Names, 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 names are good. Names yeah, are good. Yeah, I got to go. So yeah, Abigail, and then I have Emily, Andrew, and then Madeline, who I have to do a special shout out for Madeline. She turned 16 uh, on Thursday. So she's got her her driver's test and all that good stuff going on. So, yeah. And they've been great. They're great children. Um, Again, they've they've grown up in the faith and been nothing different for them. And, uh, yeah, so I think, you know, my journey has definitely gotten stronger as I've gotten into my 40s. And I think you talk about relating it to work. I think there's a lot of work uh, experiences, you know, some of the tragedies that, I've learned as I've gotten older that I can turn to my faith more to work through those things. My wife has been a good part of that. You know, we've we've talked through some things as well, but I think you realize that you take some comfort in in knowing that uh, there is that higher power that can help you work through things. So listening to your story, it sounds like, you know, your faith is something you did in your earlier years, right? Yes. And even after RCIA, but then it really became who you are. You know, and I always, I like to say that our faith isn't something that we do. Yes, we practice our faith when attending Mass and so forth, but... When we really live our faith, it's who we become. Yes. Faith is integral to uh, every aspect of your day, it sounds like, as well as within your family. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, uh, you know, just some of the acceptance of, of these bad things, um, seeing the worst in people and knowing that, well, you know, there are there is good in everyone. And, uh, you know, they may be just having a bad day and helping reach back to your faith and, and that compassionate part of trying to help people work through those things and, um, you know, use your faith in that that sense i think uh you know being able to help people accept loss or tragedies uh you can you can rely back on your faith to help talk them through those things and i think that's important one of my uh one of my brother priests in the diocese is father john petrich he's the uh he's the chaplain right yep. so yes, is he yeah. like the main chaplain for the police department as a catholic or how well that work? we've got a the, the chaplaincy program is through st louis county um, okay. So he's a member of, or he's one of the chaplains within that program. And yeah, he does a lot of work with, 
the Duluth Police Department specifically. But uh, he, he drives a police well, he's car. Well, he's the only chaplain <laughs> with a police car, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Come yeah. on. It's yeah. like that guy's driving a police car. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're number 13. All the, all the perks, yep. yeah. 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 So, yeah, he does a lot of work with us, and he's been active with us, and we appreciate everything he, he does there. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that there are different uh, different faiths, uh, you know, within that chaplaincy program. and But it's, uh, yeah, he, he's been very, very helpful. So, he's, so he's helpful on both for the for the police officers as well as for the people that are involved in the crimes? Um, yeah, well, not necessarily crimes. I mean, we could we could utilize chaplains for, for certain circumstances. Typically, our chaplains, uh, when I've seen them utilized, are more if you have some type of critical incident. Um, certainly for the general public, it would be, you know, if, they, if they've experienced a death or a loss or, or something like that, we would call in our chaplains that would help help our victims and families uh, work through that uh, tragedy and mm-hmm. you know they can spend more time and stay there and where we wouldn't necessarily have the skills we'd have some abilities but not necessarily the time or the ability to sit there and work right. them through that journey so no like so here's a qu- maybe this is maybe just a, a basic question so i've been called a handful of times yeah. you know and i'm not the chaplain so is that like do I get a phone call from the police or from the sheriffs when they can't reach the chaplain? Is that how that works? Or? Sometimes it's the wishes of the family. Um, okay. You know, we've had some families that have, you know, we know, I know I've worked to call out east and, uh, you know, in East Duluth and there was there was a death. And I don't, when we were looking to ask if they wanted a chaplain or somebody to come out, they said, well, you know, okay, we gotcha. want somebody from the cathedral. We know so-and-so. Father so-and-so. Well, I mean, the reason why I guess, the reason why I ask is that I had, um, uh, this was years ago now, where there was a suicide in the family, and and I was asked to be there when a family member was notified, but the people that asked me didn't know who I was. They just knew that that person was a member. Okay. That was a faithful person. But anyhow, oh, yeah. I mean, and then, yeah, just to know how it happens. All. Yeah. yeah. And, and sometimes it, it's the wishes of the family. Right. Um, maybe sure. it's maybe it's that officer that just thought right. that this right, would right. be, oh, you know, gotcha. good well, here's, for them. Here's a point to that. I mean, you, as an officer, you have no idea how many lives you touch and you actually change and have an impact on in, in a day. Same thing as a priest. You know, you have a congregation, but you have visitors come and go to your parish all mm-hmm. the time. And you have no idea who you're right. touching with one of your homilies. And Three years later, they could remember Father Or Rich. who you're ticking off. <laughs> well, that too, yes. Yeah, but I go on the positive side. Yeah, of yeah, there, there is both. Yeah, but certainly, I mean, I, I, I've had plenty of people over the years for me. They, they know me. You know, I, I may recognize their face, but, you know, I may have had one interaction with them, and they'll go, I remember you back in whatever, yeah. and you were, you were the one that came and took They'll this report. It. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm so like, that's well, got to be a rewarding thing. Yeah, you, I, you know, I think the positive so. aspect of the jobs. Yeah, and I think that uh, you know we always try to leave a lasting impression with everybody we deal with, and uh, you know that's what we teach our officers, and hope that they understand that same thing and grow and as they get older and and try to recognize the value of that. But yeah, every once in a while you do, you do get those situations where, yeah, you have some payback or you have somebody that comes up to you and says. You know, you you came out to our house, you handled this, you made us feel so comfortable, and we thank you for that. And, you know, and, and again, back going back to my traffic experience and crash experiences, we I, I got to deal with a lot of victims and victims' families. And that was where I really tried to, you know, tried to provide that service to them, knowing that they had to go through a tragic loss. And you don't want anything that we're doing on our end to, to make them more of a victim or make this journey worse for them so that the one thing they remember is that darn officer or that police department that didn't service them the way they felt so, they should have so training wise you know the, the the noise in society says oh our officers are not trained and not skilled to handle certain things and so forth um 
talk a little bit about training. You guys have different training things that take place that the general public has no idea of. Yeah, there's a lot of training that we do. I mean, our, just our use of force training and our emergency driving, some of those things are mandated by our license, by our post license, Peace Officer Standards and Training is our, our overarching licensing body. So there's mandatory training, but then we we do uh, crisis intervention training. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff is mandated by our license now with some of the legislative changes as well. Um, impartial policing, imp- um, you know, impartial bias, uh, what am I trying to say, implicit bias training, um, you know, some of those things are mandated now. So we have a lot of training in that sense. We have other trainings that we can put in for and, you know, specific areas of things. I don't want you to get political here, especially yeah. on the air, but I mean, it, but, you know, I, I know a number of police officers and, you know, I mean, I know that some of them have been very frustrated with some of this stuff. It's like, well, is it being driven because of the media attention? Is it being driven because of, you know, political forces that seem... Like, why are we doing this sort of thing? Does that happen? Well, you know, again, some of it's mandated by legislature, and I think that's obviously political in and of itself. But I'm, I'm sure that's that's driven by media. That's driven by perception. Um, there's, you know, I think there's some value in learning about some of those things. I, you know, I, I don't think it's there's anything wrong with trying to say that, yeah, you might have some implicit bias and you should recognize that. I think that's reasonable. But... I uh, I don't like you know when it's directed that basically, you know everything we do is racist or or you know going in that direction because I think and I know the people that I work with I can't speak, you know it's like any profession there are the good and the bad, um, you know profession, <laughs> priests, doctors, lawyer, whatever and uh, I just know that the people I work with are great people and I know that the frustrating part is I've I don't see that I don't see you're, the you're painted with a broad. Brush, yeah, basically. very broad. I see yeah. great officers, and I see officers who are out there just to do their job and do it impartially. Yeah. And uh, you walk out, you know, walk out with a collar like I'm wearing, and you get all sorts of responses because of the broad brush that's right. being yep. painted. Right, and it's got to be the same thing for you guys. It is very much so. And you know, and then with us national events, I mean, it's it could happen in uh, Charlottesville, and it, it's here, and it's here. Yeah, so that's that's the frustrating part. But again, it's. Hard because I know we have good officers here. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Lieutenant Ryan Morris of the Duluth Police Department, and we'll continue this uh, conversation right after this brief. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancements for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. 
Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence. My name is Father Richard Kuntz. I'm here with Deacon John Foucault. We've been talking to Lieutenant Ryan Morris of the Duluth Police Department. And uh, just before the break, um, uh, we were talking a little bit about um, uh, some of the challenges, maybe in regards to the training and so on and so forth. 21st century United States of America police officer is a lot different now than what it was before and so what are what are some of the challenges that we are facing and how our society is driving those challenges what what are the things that are frustrating challenging for you well i think uh it's it's obviously right it's all out there out out in front you know it's on the news the the challenges that we see are certainly the the scrutiny i don't i don't mind the scrutiny in our position and our in our job because i think as a government uh, entity we we should be scrutinized uh, but I think we should be scrutinized fairly. Um, you know, there we we should have accountability, and we do have accountability. Um, more you know, than more than just about anybody. Yeah, yes. and and certainly more. I mean, again, talking about 21 years of doing this job, um, the the accountability that we have is unprecedented in my career. I mean, we you see right on my chest. Yeah. I have a body camera. Every that move. that was a that was a hot topic, you know, years ago, and and body cameras, I think, are wonderful, because what body cameras have done. Over the years, I think it probably wasn't as intended, but we are showing that police officers are doing the right thing, mm-hmm. you know, for a majority of the time. Again, yeah. there's those, those slip-ups and those those exceptions, but police officers aren't doing the things that they're accused of. And typically, you know, I know in our department, when we have our body cams going, some of the complaints that come in are wiped away very quickly just by a review of the body cam to say that's not at all what happened. Mm-hmm. And uh so you know, I, I don't. I, I welcome scrutiny. I, you know, I don't mind the the oversight. Um, you know, the ability to uh, file a complaint against a police officer. All those things are are out there. You know, we we have the ability to to be scrutinized. But it's uh, some of the frustrating things are is that broad brush that you talked about, and uh, some of the political hot topics of you know racial profiling and and uh, you know some of the bias things that again, as I mentioned earlier, are hard to. Hard to stomach, certainly for me, because I don't see it with with my officers, and certainly not with myself. You know, I I don't feel that I do those things, and it, it, that that's what makes it hard. Yeah. So you have like like I mean, we see it in the priesthood too. It's like you have one bad egg, and then everybody gets painted with that. Yeah, and uh, and realistically, I mean, what we see throughout the nation, for the most part, I know it's it's open to uh, opinions on that, but I think when you have that bad egg. We're seeing them held accountable. Mm-hmm. It's not always to the level that people say is what they think it should have been, but they're held accountable. They're called out. There's a process, and and the reality is, you know, 
we have due process as well. So sometimes I think it's hard for people to accept the fact that there is a process as well if, if we're accused or just mm-hmm. like a priest, if they're okay. accused. Um, so I think that there, I mean, when we look at these bad things that have happened, there has been a process, there has been accountability, and those systems are in place. Mm-hmm. We have uh, in Duluth here, you know, again, we have the, you have the ability to file a complaint against an officer. We have an internal affairs, so to speak, uh, uh, division within our department that will look at those complaints objectively and, and go through that process. We have a citizen review board in Duluth that uh, reviews the dispositions of our complaints and you know so we have some oversight there to kind of hold us accountable and you know there are there are numerous ways to to have that oversight and to have the public you know if, if they see something wrong to go through that process and uh, yeah I think it's uh, that that's frustrating for me because I, I do know that when bad eggs happen it seems that they're held accountable to me mm-hmm. you know we've uh, talked about the uh, the messiness and the, the difficulty of aspects of the life of a, of a police officer and we've talked about your faith journey and how important your faith is in your in your life in general you know i mean one of the one of maybe the flippant type of questions or a cliche maybe is like well how does somebody get through this without faith mm-hmm. you know you got other brother police officers that deal with the same difficult things in life as you do but probably don't exhibit much of a faith life. I mean, how do they? How do you see your brother police officers face very difficult challenges, the real messiness of life, if there's not a faith thing to support them? How do you see the difference, or do you? Well, I think faith certainly helps people through it, and faith, I think, equals a good marriage, I mean, a good family life, just a well-centered person. Um, I, like I said, I, you know, I go back to my faith. It, helped, it gives me some comfort. It gives me at least an outlet to kind of talk through those things. If you don't have faith, I think you have to turn to something else. And some, I mean, you know, faith obviously can be different for, other, you know, the definition of faith for somebody could be different, you know, and, and I fully respect that. You know, it doesn't have to be a Catholic faith. Sure. But, um, but those that don't have faith, I think you have to obviously turn to other things. And sometimes it can be negative things. It can be alcohol. It can be drugs. Um, it can be, you know, just bottling it up and not having an outlet, which obviously we know is not a good thing. So. You know, you see some of that, and uh, if you don't have a good relationship somewhere, whether it's, you know, family, wife, husband, you know, a spouse, um, to have that outlet, then, yeah, it's going to probably go to something negative. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had mentioned that the, the recruitments are down and the enrollments for schools. Are we seeing a lot of retirements, or we have, have we experienced the wave of retirements that they talked about a few years ago? Uh, I think we're starting to get into the wave of retirements. There's a, the, the, the way the generations have kind of gone into this profession, um, our department, I think, over the next several years is going to see a, a pretty good wave of retirements. Uh, there's a certain age kind of getting to that retirement age, and we've got a a lot of young officers that have come in, some in the middle, and then there's a, a lot of older officers that are getting ready to go out. So I think you're going to see a, a switchover in in, uh, in certainly our department, and I think that that probably rings true for uh, a lot of agencies. Uh, there was a lot of cops hired in the early 90s, Clinton cops, those kinds of things that uh, were, were brought in, you know, and uh, I think that you're going to see a generational change. Um, the generational change is a good thing, too. I think you're seeing a, a definitely different uh, dynamic to what police officers are just their mindset how they look at things uh, there are certainly some challenges to that too you know i mean we hear the jokes about millennials i think you know i think millennials and gen z or gen x or whoever i think they bring a different dynamic to this profession not necessarily a negative i mean there are certainly some negatives but i think 
the baby boomers and everybody else had their negatives as well. But I think it's a it's a positive outlook for policing. I think you have some good, thoughtful, compassionate officers that are coming into the profession with a lot of different skill sets and not just going and handling that one problem. They're able to look at that big picture, be compassionate, do a more comprehensive, you know, deal with dealing with victims and not just saying I'm coming here, you know, just the facts, ma'am type right. thing. Um, it's certainly grown, I think, and our, our younger officers are going to, you know, that future is, is bright, I think, for our profession. It's great to hear. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm a, a big mask guy, but when I have to wear a mask I, I'm a, and I go into a public place with a mask on, I always wear the same one. It's a thin blue line one. Yeah. It's, it's one of the flags with the thin blue line, you know. Yep. Yep. And, I'll, and I say, if I'm going to wear one, I'm going to be, I'm going to make a statement about it. And, I, and I'll have to say that, that I've gotten so many positive comments for wearing that mask. Yeah. So, you, you know, you've got to know that there's a ton of support for you guys out there. Yeah. And, and we see it and we appreciate that. And I, I always tell people, don't, it's, it's okay to support the police. It's okay to be vocal about your support of the police. And it's, uh, you know, you shouldn't hide you don't have to hide it exactly. Yeah, right. you know, we talk about different opinions. You know, even expressing your faith, you shouldn't have to hide that just because of what you're afraid the backlash might be. Right. You know, mm-hmm. stand up for your convictions like everybody else is expressing theirs. So, yeah. um, we appreciate the support. Yeah, well, we have back the blue shirts we wear. We love them too. It's the yeah. same yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I love that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Lieutenant uh, Morris. This has been a, a great conversation with you. I appreciate your service very much. I'm sure all of our listeners do as well. So thank you very much for all that you do for our community. Thank you for being here today. Yes, yes. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, uh, um, uh, that puts the wrap on that one, Deacon John. Father, it's good to be here with you as your co-host today. Thank you. It's been good having you. I think we have Therese on the line right now. Therese, are you there? Yes, I am, Father. Are you going to tell us a little bit about what our next show looks It can't be as good as this one, but go ahead and tell no, us. No, no. It's going to be pretty close, though. So next Real Presence Live is tomorrow from 9 to 11 a.m. Central with hosts Mike Drowski and Steve Glosser from Trinity High School in Dickinson. Bishop David Kagan from the Diocese of Bismarck will be on to discuss Roman martyrology. Then Steve Ray will be back to talk about the Son of God. Or, whoops, yeah, the Son of God. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> I hope so. This is a Catholic, this is a Catholic radio <laughs> I station. slightly different <laughs> than I wrote it. Um, <laughs> and Father Keith Streifel from the Diocese of Bismarck will also be on to talk about 20 years of Real Presence Radio. All that and much more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live, Wednesday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Back Great. to you. Thank you very much, Teresa. That sounds like an interesting uh, Catholic radio station show next next tomorrow. So there. Deacon John, how many times have you done these things? How many times have you host? Oh, uh, a few. I ho- when you had COVID, oh, I did no. the live drive host that's along right, with Janelle. That was I was just speaking. I had COVID. Oh, that thanks a lot. No, so I'm yeah, just yeah. <laughs> so I got here. Tim got us set up. We did that. I've uh, not co-hosted with you before, but I've been on the show with you. So mm-hmm. I don't know, four or five times. Yeah, it feels yeah. natural. It's getting more natural. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. always a pleasure. Yes, you did a good job. Well, thank you. I don't like. I don't think I liked your comment about short homilies, but uh, like. Well, that talk. was positive. Short homilies oh. likes to talk. That was a very positive oh, okay. thing for you. Okay. Yes, okay. and very very knowledgeable, intriguing homilies. Love your homilies. Oh, yes, I, I, wasn't fishing, I wasn't fishing for that. Well, I'm going to give it to you anyhow. So, oh, well, yes. thank you very much. Yes. Well, I appreciate it. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, what do you got planned for the rest of your day as we continue on in the octave of Easter? Well, I have a few errands to run, and then I have uh, the rest of the day off, but I have some baptismal preps uh, tonight. I run the baptismal prep stuff at St. Lawrence and Holy Family, so I have a couple of Wait, final does preps. Fa- does Father Eli do any work up there? He's got he, all the sisters. He's got all these deacons. He's we, Only not all. There are only two of us, me and Deacon Tim. I have so one. Not like, oh, and I have no that. sisters. 
Uh, well, they're here teaching. I saw oh, they today. teach at the yes. school. Yes. So that's a wonderful thing. But yes, he does. He's a very busy man as well. Is he? As you know. Yes. Yeah, I know. Yes. All, all I like the kid. Yes, you are. Yeah. Thank you for your priesthood and service. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for your diaconal service. And so, um, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the uh, the octave of Easter. This is always my yes. favorite time of the year. I always say Easter Monday is my favorite day of the year. And so uh, we'll continue on this octave. And many blessings to you. And so we'll play, pray blessings on all of our listeners, uh, the technical people behind the scenes, and Deacon John and the police officers. And may Almighty God bless you all in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Until next month when we're back to the Duluth version of Real Presence Live, God bless everyone. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.